0: Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us on this episode for Sunday, July 25th, 2021. We are continuing in our series, Matthew's Messiah from the Gospel of Matthew. So we're only about four weeks in, I think, and it's a good time for you to join us for the first time. And if you'd like to go back and listen to the other episodes before this one, you can kind of catch up pretty quickly. Many of you have been with us all along and I welcome you back. We have listeners somewhere in Russia, in Iowa, in the United States, We have listeners in Canada, Australia, and many states within America, but I'm glad you're listening. All right, let's get to it. If Jesus is Matthew's Messiah, which he is, and that means he's the king, then the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to begin to look at today is the Messiah's manifesto, the king's kingdom decree. Israel as a nation, the Jewish nation, failed to be the missionary kingdom that God had intended that they be. You know by how far they missed it? They missed it by 18 inches. Really, Pastor Ed? What do you mean? Well, it's about 18 inches from the head, the mind, the brain, to the heart, and most of the people within the nation of Israel missed it and only had a very superficial uh, understanding of the religion that God gave to them and how they were to be the missionary kingdom to the world, showing the glory of God that all of the heathens in the world would want to know their God. Well, they missed it by 18 inches. The church is the new kingdom people of the Lord until he resumes working with the nation Israel during the tribulation period and the millennial kingdom and all of that that we've seen in other series here on This Week in the Word. But right now the church is one new man. It is Jew and Gentile alike, Jew and non-Jew, who become born again because they trust Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the King, as the Savior, and they are given new life in Christ, and together they form one new man, the church. Well, now, the church is his new kingdom people and his throne is the surrendered heart of the believer. Now, I want you to think about the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to begin to look at today. And we'll see this especially in the first 20 or so verses. It is the difference between something being superficial or something being spiritual what we're going to see you'll see the difference the Lord makes cl- very clear it's the difference between outwardly pretending rather than inwardly bending to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ obviously he would rather that we be spiritual not superficial He would rather that we be in a true spiritual relationship with him versus being in a superficial religion that we kind of attach to our life. He would rather that we be inwardly bending to his lordship rather than outwardly pretending by trying in our own mind anyway, to keep rules, which we really don't do very well. When someone says, well, my religion is the Sermon on the Mount, or maybe something like, I live by the Sermon on the Mount. I know that they've either never read it or they don't understand it. And you'll see what I mean as we get into this. Now, just as Moses went up into the mount for 40 days and 40 nights and emerged with the law of God, the Ten Commandments, written on stones, Jesus goes up on the mount and after 40 days and 40 nights that we saw last week, but he delivers the law of God written on hearts, and only he can do that what we're going to see him describe here is an inner reality, not an outward rule-keeping. It should humble us and redirect us if we actually already belong to Jesus Christ as the King because he's our Savior and our Lord. It should expose and convict us if we are still rebels against the king and his kingdom. So you will begin to see which you are as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Now, again, to understand the historical setting here, Christ has been baptized by John the Baptist, which is the initiation of being Um, being publicly identified as the promised Messiah. Then we saw that he went into the wilderness, and at the end of that, 40 days and 40 nights, and fasting, Satan came and tempted him and tried to get the Lord Jesus to go Satan's way rather than the way of the Father, right? You remember that? This is seen as the... uh, He's already chosen the inner circle of his disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, although really that circle is narrowed to three more than four, Peter, James, and John. And then we'll see other disciples added to his uh, followers. But he's already done all of that, and now... This is is an explosive message that the king declares within his kingdom. So let's look at this, the beginning of it anyway, in Matthew 5. The Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 6, and it ends in Matthew 7. We're going to try to look at some of Matthew chapter 5 today, and I don't want us to read this for information. I want us to listen to it for introspection. I want us to see who we really are or aren't, and this is right from the lips of the Messiah King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, starting in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now right here in verse 3, we have the first use in this Sermon on the Mount of the word blessed, blessed, is the Greek word makarios, and it means um, it, it means, and I hate to use this word, but it's one that we would understand. It means a, a happiness or more like a joy that cannot be affected by circumstances. It's an inner joy contentment given by Christ himself. Do you have that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. It's the opposite of someone being proud or rich or um, a braggart in spirit. You've met people like that. Maybe you're like that. I hope not. But blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you begin to hear the teaching of the Lord in the Sermon on the Mount, if you really, really hear it for what he's teaching, you are going to find yourself being poor in spirit. You're going to know that all of the rule keeping that you could ever do are nothing but rags compared to Christ and what he wants to do in our lives. It is only through what, who he is and what he has already done that we can be truly spiritually rich. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is not talking about, although I I guess there would be an application here, but this is not talking about when, let's say someone loses a loved one and they, they are in grief, they are mourning, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Obviously, there are many people who mourn the death of someone and they're anything but comforted, even days, weeks, months, And years later, that's not what the Lord is saying here. Blessed are they that mourn. Do you do you weep inside, and you may or may not have tears, but do you have grief about the things that grieve God? For example, the slaughter of the innocents, and I don't mean just what happened after. Christ was born and Herod slaughtered the babies. We've looked at that. I mean, the slaughter of babies in the womb. This is a moral issue with God. Is it one with you? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And there are many other ways to describe that, but that would be a good one. If it doesn't bother you at all, Well, you better check about whether Christ is your king. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We even mourn for our own sin, realizing how vastly far away from God's standard of righteousness we are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now that's one that makes people do a double take right there. Unfortunately for us, the English word meek rhymes with the English word weak. But that is not what is meant here. Blessed are the meek. It is a Greek word, uh, the Greek word, and I can't remember it right now, but what it's talking about is it's used in Greek for a horse under control. Now, a horse is very powerful, but it's guided by the rider, by the reins and the bit, right? Blessed are the meek. So we may be very powerful, but the world would look at us as weak for sure. But but we simply are under the Lord's control. Moses was considered and even called a meek man, but he was anything but weak. The Lord Jesus Christ, we often say that he was meek and lowly, but in no way was the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry weak. He is eminently powerful blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth you know the world system teaches what the prince of this world satan wants people to think about living on planet earth you know you got to you got to get all you can can all you get and then guard the can right You've got to assert yourself. You've got to be the big man on campus. You've got to get your way at all costs. Well, that's how lost people think. That's how people think who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's everywhere. Jesus says, as the Messiah King blessed, I mean, you want to be really truly happy? You want to have a joy that cannot be taken away? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It reminds me of Abraham when he had his wells stolen. He didn't go beat somebody up about it, he surrendered it to God and he just dug more wells, and God blessed him. And ultimately, God's going to sort all that out, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Here's another one. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Have you ever been truly hungry and truly thirsty? Let me define that physically for you. I think doctors tell us that it, it takes those 40 days before you experience true hunger, where if you're not fed, you will waste away. I'm told that if you go literally go three days without water, you're on the you could be on the verge of death. That's hungering and thirsting. Do you want a right standing with God? like that, like you would if you were physically hungry and physically thirsty, that you need more than anything food and water? Do you have that inner attitude about the righteousness that only God can give? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled now, again, the world seeks after, you know, the literal food and things to drink and wear, is we'll see the Lord talk about that here later in the Sermon on the Mount. But people who are people of the kingdom, who are citizens under the king's authority, Jesus, the Messiah King, Matthew's Messiah, they are deeply concerned about what is right. And Jesus, as the king says, for they shall be filled, you know, not these other people. These are the people who will be filled if we hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, the more you tune out the world, like watching TV all the time or, you know, listening to Broadcast news on TV or radio and knowing everything there is to know about pop culture. What a losing venture. <laughs> but you may, you may know everything there is to know about that, about um, sports and all the stuff we could name that the world is bananas about. They're not, that's not how someone's going to be satisfied or filled. Jesus says the ones who will be filled, the ones who will be truly content in a way that even if things go bad with them or for them, put quote marks around that, you know, bad things happen. Their inner contentment is not robbed from them. The ones who are like that are the ones who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is God's righteousness, not a self-righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. There's so many things we could say here. But when you begin to have the kingdom heart that only the king can give, you will become, maybe not on day one, but very clearly over time as you grow in your faith in Christ, you will become more and more merciful when others have wronged you or they're doing wrong rather than than, uh, judging them and writing them off and getting back at them. Instead, you will show them the same kind of mercy that God has shown you. Amen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. God loves to show mercy to those who show mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's hard to even define this, but our heart is is sold out to Jesus, and it's a um, a heart that is singularly devoted. To him, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, the world is full of fighting and wars and trouble and revenge and brutality. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God now this is not talking about boy the peacemakers at the United Nations that's a laugh blessed are the peacemakers that's not what he's talking about here he's talking about rather than being a someone who stirs up a fight all the time you are doing what you can do within the Word of God to bring true, real peace based on the Word of God between yourself and others or or even between others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Why does it say that? Because when you are a child of God, You're not running around causing trouble and division and war and fighting and, you know, retaliation and all of that. You are about, again, not compromising truth, but keeping the truth. You are about bringing people together around Christ. You see that? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right now, if you want to get more enemies and you can shake a stick at, just be true to the word of God on any topic, and people will line up against you and attack you. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Like the whole gender debate, and all of that. God's very clear. Just stick with God. But if you do, just know (laughs) you're going to be persecuted for that. But God says, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In other words, you're in pretty good company. If you are being persecuted because you will not renounce the truth in the Word of God, you will not renounce Christ, you will not create a version of Christianity that accepts everything God says is sin. If you refuse to do that, you will have plenty of enemies. And you'll have something else. You'll have a reward in heaven. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know, people think sometimes in the Bible that the prophets were just revered and followed. Uh, you know, they were killed. They were hated but they would not back down on the word of God. Now, many have already compromised. It is shameful what is going on today where people are ashamed of Jesus and his word. You know what? The day is coming where Jesus Christ will be ashamed of them. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever shall break one of these commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now we're going to stop right there today with verse 20. And we're going to do as much each week as we can. But I hope that just in these 20 verses in Matthew 5, you saw what I was talking about earlier. That people approach uh, faith in Christ, they approach it like they approach religion. This is deadly. It's an inner thing. Now, when Jesus is the king of your heart, and he's ruling in your life, that will, that will definitely show in who you are and how you live. But it's not about doing a certain set of things so you can get to heaven. If you think that, you're going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Just like the nation Israel failed to be the missionary kingdom, you will never get into the kingdom of God. You will miss it by 18 inches. Because if if you insist on doing religion to earn your way to heaven, you are doomed right now. And you should repent and come by faith to Jesus Christ. Even if you think you're trying to do, quote, the Christian religion, so you can get to heaven. That's not how you get to heaven. You get to heaven by being a a worshiper of the Messiah King, the Lord Jesus Christ, being sold out to and surrendered to him. You have a spiritual reality versus a superficial um, practicality, let's say. You have an inward bending, not an outward pretending. Hey, let me tell you, that within churches, it, it's probably mind-boggling how many people are in churches outwardly pretending, hoping to earn their way to heaven. They're not inwardly bending, and they're going to miss heaven and the kingdom by 18 inches. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. It's not rule keeping a religion, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I hope that if you came here today thinking my religion is the Sermon on the Mount or I live by the Sermon on the Mount, um, I hope you're seeing that that is a truly dumb statement. No, you don't. None of us do. We only live as a kingdom citizen with the king ruling in our hearts. Amen. Now, right now, you may be realizing that uh, to use this analogy, you've been climbing a ladder to get to heaven and you just realize your ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Wow, that is a great realization, and you didn't think of that on your own. The Holy Spirit is opening your eyes to who you are not and who Jesus is. If you are totally spiritually confused right now about your relationship or lack of one with Jesus Christ, the Messiah King, which is a living, real, daily moment by moment relationship with him as your living Lord, ruling in your heart. If you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm totally confused. What is all this? You need help. I'm going to give you a phone number. Call this number 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. And I want you to know there's hope For even you, (laughs) with Jesus Christ becoming your Lord and Savior, your Messiah King inwardly, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell with all the rebels that follow him, even the religious ones, Instead of that you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and an eternity with him. Maybe you're shy about calling that number. It's okay. You can go to chataboutjesus.com. chataboutjesus.com. If you're confused, you're scared, you're upset, you do not know where you really stand with Christ, I want you to either call that number or chat about jesus.com. I thank you for listening today. If you're a Christian, I hope this has been challenging to you to really, really, really make that walk with Christ a relationship day by day, not a religion that you do once a week or maybe two or three times a week, but a relationship. If you're not a Christian, maybe you're religious, maybe even go to a church, but you're realizing after just hearing just a little bit that we've heard today, something's wrong, something is very wrong, I want you to call that number or chat about jesus.com. Thank you for listening. Please tell others about This Week in the Word, which can be found 24 hours a day, every day of the year, anywhere in the world at www dredhill.podbean.com and it's always free to listen to as many episodes as you would like. Thank you for listening. God bless you. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye.